Welcome to this special bonus feature from Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhardt. One of the reasons I really wanted to interview Mary Ryan was because so many of her peers spoke so highly of her. I do remember her, which is to say that I remember seeing her perform, but we didn't interact very much in the short time that our years at Nutrier overlapped. So when I did the interview, I wanted to learn why so many of our friends remember her so fondly. And I did. She's warm, friendly, smart, funny, talented, inclusive, and engaging. In fact, I can now say from experience that if you spend any time with her at all, you realize pretty quickly that there really is something about Mary. And when someone like that is willing to sit around and talk with you for a while after the interview, well, you definitely do that. So here now is some of my post-interview conversation with Mary Ryan. And we're out. And that's it. That's all there is. I, it's so funny. I like when I want to say something, I start to cry, so I can't say it. But then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I held it together. When you hear my interview with Mrs. Adams, I, I made it all the way through to the end before I broke down. I got yeah. all the way to the end, and then, you know, you know yeah, she, I, I talked to her on. We had one of those big Zoom meeting. Things. Oh yeah, John Gian told me about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, they're amazing, and we invited her on, and I, I was one of the main talkers to her on it and um I couldn't hold it together. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, I'm just I'm incredibly it's one of the reasons I'm I'm doing this, of course, is is because I'm so grateful for, yeah. for that time. Do you think I never thought that he was overtly like nasty to any of us. I thought he was when he would do stuff like that, that he was he was literally he was very intentionally trying to needle us and oh my God, he knew how. Oh yeah, and he was he was doing that on purpose. He knew how to motivate, and he did, it's what I'm saying about finding the right way to meet any person in any moment. He knew how to find that. Yes, the great Mary Ryan can't do everything, right? <laughs> and 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 just the way he said, it, I'm like, yeah, what? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it's like he um he I I still to this day I think he's the smartest man I've ever met. Well, I, I had the wonderful opportunity to to chat with him about two years before he passed away Fabulous. and uh, was uh, still a wonderful guy. And really one of my one of my favorite directors to work with because he was not. And when you listen to the the Shakespeare show, it'll again, it'll be on the, the one before yours. One of the things I talk about is he wasn't really what I would call a collaborative director in that. He had a vision. He knew what he wanted. He told you what he wanted. And you had to you know, recognize and, and realize the vision for him. And as a performer, I always kind of preferred that. I kind of liked having somebody who had a very specific vision of what they wanted. And so I, I, I loved working with him. I, th- I loved working with him, too. I think that his now that I've you know worked with a lot of directors, I feel like he was more like a and this will make sense, I'm sure, more like a dramaturg director. Yeah. You know, where Mrs. Adams was an actor's director. Um, oh, yes. Well, know, and, that, and, and that makes more sense, too, because Mrs. Adams was, of course, an actress. And so she came to it from that perspective. Totally. Exactly. And he came to it like one thing that I'm thinking of is when he did Trumpets and Drums, which was a fabulous experience and so different from anything. I mean, it's the furthest thing from it's Brecht, you know, it's the furthest, furthest thing from realism. I had, I had two foot tall hair for one thing. <laughs> and that was part, I played Lady Prude <laughs> and that was certainly part of the whole thing. Right. And that, <laughs> and he was just 
like he knew what it was going to look like from day one. Right. Exactly. He knew what it was going to sound like from day one, which was his problem with me in um, <laughs> in uh, Plaza Suite because I was going through discovery and he already saw it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He knew what it was supposed to be. He he already had it. And I wasn't where he I wasn't where he was. And, right. and he's like, eh. so, yeah, he gave me a book at the end of that. And he said it was it's called the book is Plaza Suite. And that's when I found out he, he wrote on the inside. He wrote, I'm so glad I picked this play for you. And and that's when he told me that he chose it for me. And that, yeah. Wow. See, that's so. And he used to do that with us with that at the end of each Shakespeare play. He he got us the old English version of whatever play we had just done. Yeah. And he would give that to all of us as a gift. Yeah. And I always thought that was just fabulous super cool yeah. yeah super cool i my parents almost well were considering moving into three crowns where he lived and i i it's too bad they didn't because i would have loved to have spent some time with him yeah you know later i didn't get to mention you know, another thing i didn't get to mention was audu because audu said that he was really grateful because he felt like you when the two of you worked together in little mary sunshine that you basically took him under your wing and were able to help him grow and learn what it was to do musical theater, which he had never done before. Yeah. And I'd been doing, yeah. And, and, and he, I think came in kind of, it was all just fun and it is all fun, but it was also, I don't know. I had been in the Wilmot children's theater forever. Mm -hmm. So I knew kind of the way you go, sort of, you know? Yeah. Are you talking to Tom? Riley? Not yet. Um, I, I mean, I, I, he's a friend, obviously. And yeah. in fact, you know, the funny part was the first time I saw Tom after New Trier, uh, I one of the businesses, one of the, yeah, it was Macworld. Oh, an Apple thing. Because sure. I was, uh, at that point, I was the owner of what would become one of the largest Apple dealers in the country. And he had just started a company called Digital Queers. Yeah. And literally, and I had, I didn't know that. And I didn't know he was there and literally bumped into him on the floor of, of the, of the show. That's awesome. So, and that was how we sort of reconnected and, and yeah. 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 He's a, he, he's a, he did the eulogy for Dr. Boyle. I did not know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, he and John when in my, in the second novel that I'm still writing, that's years behind schedule and all my friends are giving me grief for this, but I use a lot of Nutrier names. And in fact, in my first novel, I wrote about people, but I didn't identify them as the people. Right. And I kind of felt like that was stupid. And so there's actually a scene that takes place at Nutrier in the second novel. And I figured I'm just going to use the names of friends of mine and I'm going to bring them into this into this novel as you know momentary characters. And Tom and John, of course, are among them because I remember them as sort of rulers of the nest underneath Gaffney, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. You just, that was their turf and you treaded very carefully and what they told you your costume was going to be like and what they could do and when they could do it. That was, that was that's it. That's funny. That's so. funny. You know, who I think of as ruler of the nest of under Gaffney is um, Todd Golub, who, who ended up like a founder of the broad Institute, you know, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was I mean, before my time, because John was, right. and I, I, I joke with John about that too, because I said, uh, when I interviewed him, I said, so how tall, you know, were you at that time? And he said, six, five. And I said, so it's fair to say that you were about seven, one with the hair. That's right. And, and, <laughs> and he left, he said, yeah, well, probably. Said, so, uh, 
Because that's what I remember. I just remember, you know, just this yeah, gigantic yeah, yeah. human being. And, that's funny. But he was also just incredibly capable with that stuff. Just incredibly amazing. capable. Do you know another thing that I'm just thinking about that I didn't say, and I, I don't know, but just another thing about all this that maybe you'll toss in at some point is the is one of the things that we learned there is something that's so popular these days. We learned about vulnerability. And I guess I kind of talked about it in working in the classroom, but we learned we learned about vulnerability and about allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with a cast, with a group, with a trusted group of people, with a group that we learned how to trust. And I don't think, I think high school is a very hard place for a lot of people. And people like me loved high school not because I was popular or had a boyfriend or any of that kind of thing, but because I had a group of people that I could trust and a place that, was, that I could To me, that was all Mrs. Them. Adams, too. To me, that it's was that the, totally. the, that classroom that she was, the environment of uh, that she was able to create in there and the trust that we had with each other as performers and all that just was absolutely 100%. Incredible. And think about using, think of the way we used to find out we were cast. This doesn't happen anymore, either. You'd go to a wall and look at a sheet of paper. Yep. Yep, or used to be and posted the person, on the M on the M183 door. That was yes. where it would be. And yep. the person next to you would be in tears. Yeah. And you're maybe trying not to celebrate because you or, recognize or vice versa. Well, or vice <laughs> yeah. versa. And it and right. it's such a it's such a um it's such a big moment of learning resilience that that I, I don't know where else you get that. You know, one of the the of the twelve billion things that Mrs. Adams said, and like you, you you noted that there's just quotes, and yeah, there's quotes of hers that just still sit in my head. But one of them that keeps coming back to me all the time, and and my I mention it to my wife every now and then when we see this, is these proofs that there are no small roles; there are only small actors. Totally. And totally. to see every now and then you'll see something like the the, the kid in in a league of their own. There's a wonderful scene with Gina Davis and this kid in the car. And, you know, he says, why don't you step in the back seat and make a man out of me? And she says, how about I kick the crap out of you? And he says, can we do both? (laughs) (laughs) And it's really, and and again, he has like 20 seconds of screen time, but it's, it's a killer 20 seconds and he does it. Totally. So stuff like that. Yes. And, and part of what she taught us too is now what we're taught as energy work. And that goes to these small parts. She, ta- I don't. Do you remember this? She would taught us. She'd have us all together and talk about the light coming up and then the light coming out and the light. Oh yeah, that's energy work. Yeah, that people do all the time now. That we were taught to do in high school. That I know I brought with me to every single audition I ever got. I know I did. And that's that's a really good point because that that's and that's kind of again getting gets back to that that thing about how multidisciplinary this is because those those skills and those little bits are are with us in everything that we do and, you know like when i even when i'm when i'm doing like this podcast or something else what am i doing right before i go on the air to sit in solemn silence in adult i mean i'm doing this i i literally and i do it because it gets your diction you know ready and I just had to train lectors at my church and I gave them each to sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock. There you go. So they could do it. And I talked about, about articulation over gesticulation, you know? It's right. Like, yeah. 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 That's, That's so, so cool. It is. It's so, it's so cool. The other, another one that she spoke of that was actually, she said was um, Anton Artaud, but that actors are the athletes of the heart. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yep. That's, that's a, that's a write it down. Cause she used that one all the time. Yep. Yes, indeed. 
there, there's so, there's so many. God, yeah, I could do this all day, but I know that you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was it was really great. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. It's really fun that you're doing this. Oh well, I, this is again. This is my it's a total labor of love thing for me. Um, you're going to be. I believe January the 19th. Okay. So after Mrs. Adams is Chris Polidorus, then the two Shakespeare bits, and then you. Awesome. And then, and, and like I said, you're kind of this pivot moment into that, showing people having both performing arts and non-performing arts careers, and again, how we use that and all. And so you did a great job Thank of you. helping me start to do that. So. And if you need anything different or else, I'm... I'm versed in doing that kind of thing too. So well, I'm you know, if, if I need you to loop anything, I will definitely give you a buzz. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Nutria Performing Arts Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives Incorporated. It is written, directed, produced, and edited with regret that I had to cut a single second of it by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at NutrierPADStories.com. And join us next week when our guest will be singer and opera executive Diana Hasek. Until then, thanks for listening. See you next time.